0: They got quiet. I think maybe we should start.
1: Okay. (laughs) Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Clinton United Methodist Church, and we're glad you're here today. Um, I have a few announcements. Number one, I'm sure a lot of you remember Alice Wimple. Well, last year she gave me a bunch of pie tins, and she thought maybe we should make fruit pies for our Rummage or for, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So I'm asking people. We've got a bunch of them out there as you go out today, and I'm asking people if you would consider it. I know everyone is so busy, and if you don't, so what? So, but if you do, it's going to be much appreciated, and they do fit in the little. Ziploc bags, Um, also I want to remind everyone, we need anything you make to be packaged. It can be in Ziploc bags, preferably in Ziploc bags. And you can put on what it is, and if it has nuts, eggs, wheat, milk, or soy in your recipe, you need to put that. It, it includes one of these or all of them or whatever. But we need to let people know because of allergies. So if you'll do that for us, it'll make it really easier for us to sell what we have. Because if we don't know what it is or what it has in it, we can't help people out if they ask us.
2: Here. I want to say, I want to everybody to really realize what that group of ladies did that set up this whole rummage sale and it's set up so beautiful and and it's going to make it so easy for everybody. I was going to come in and work on Thursday and my gosh they had it all set up so nice. They've been working like bees. Yes and I want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart.
3: I um, just want to get an early shout-out for the choir. Uh, we will be starting September 11th, the Sunday after Labor Day. Uh, we'll just meet here in the choir room, and we'll just do a hymn that first Sunday and try to get things going. Uh, as far as the bell choir, um, I have a golf league on Thursday nights from 5.30, and that'll go until, like, the end of October. So I'll probably have, like, a meeting that Sunday after church to see if there's another day during the week or, or that or right after church where we could rehearse um, until my golf league's over. And I am definitely going to try to get the kids' bell choir going um, sometime in September. So keep those things on your calendar. Um, and also I would like to say a shout out to Linda and all of us in the worship committee. I think we had the best worship committee meeting I've ever been to. We have a whole bunch of great ideas. Um, but we are going to be, for some of these, we are going to be asking for people's to help us out with them. So be willing if we come hat in hand asking for help. So
4: thank you. Um, an announcement about the rummage sale. You get to shop today if you'd like. After worship, we'll turn the lights on Feel free to go through. It's by donation, so you see what you like and just give us a donation. Also, we are accepting baked goods starting Wednesday. Um, the gals will probably be here nine to three, nine to four, all this week. So thank you.
2: Wait a quick light. No, I wanna thank everybody for all the years of what you have been doing for school supplies. You will notice there's not that much back here on the table, I have it in the choir room. But uh, please, by the 21st of August, uh, Pastor Mike is going to do a blessing of the backpacks and of the school supplies so if you can have them here by that Sunday we would really appreciate it and if there's anyone who does not do the shopping but would like to be included we can always take cash which I don't usually like to ask for money but I do know that there are people that like to give and just do not have any way of getting to shop again Thank you, thank you, thank you.
4: Um, I also want to uh, remind anyone that we will be starting Sunday School up on September 11th. Um, We will have a registration table um, up to fill out the paperwork that the Sunday School teachers need. Uh, also, we are going to do, because speaking of Sunday school, we're going to have um, Linda Waltz is going to teach it after um, church on um, August 28th, and it's a safe haven for any of us that want to help her in Sunday school um, or, you know, we, we need some Sunday school teachers to be substitutes in that, Uh, We need. We have to have the safe haven certification. So, if you're willing to do that, she's going to do that right after church. Thank you.
3: Well, and that's also good, even if you don't want to work with the kids, to let you know why we're doing things we do with the kids. So it's a good class for everybody.
1: Does anybody else have any announcements? Don't forget to read your paper. There's a lot of things going on, so um, things that are needed for the food pantry and sign up for the Mud Hens game. There's club, craft club going on, and we, we really need participation in a lot of this stuff. So, um, And one other thing, it's good to see Paul and Wilda out here. Okay, now if you'll stand, if you're able, and join me in the call to worship. This is the day that that the Lord Lord has made. made. Let Let us us rejoice and be glad in it. it. Today Today is for for living, dreaming, and seeing visions. Today Today is for knowing that God is is in in heaven and that God God is also with us here and now. Today is for forgiving and being forgiven. Today is for praising God, not simply in words, rather by finding ways to serve God, our brothers, and our sisters. The hymn this morning is number 64 Holy, Holy, Holy. someone with a smile and a kind word before sitting?
5: Hey,
3: a mm, kiss works good.
0: you all sure are a rowdy bunch. That's all right. We are just, we are just saying to each other, this is so cool. You know, it's, if you're a clock watcher, stop it. Just stop it. Now, um, if you would take a moment and look at prayer list. One of the things that I want you to hear from me is this. My phone starts going off usually at 11 a.m. With notifications of text messages from the prayer list. It's not gossip stuff. It's serious concern for people. Thank you all. Thank you. And it's good to see that, that those that we pray for, some of them take the time To say thank you. It's really good. Now, I'm going to announce um, it again later. But see the quilts up front here? Those are prayer quilts. During the last hymn, we'll invite you, if you're interested in doing so, to come, lay a hand, share a prayer over the quilt, the quilts will go to Kim um, Messner, Mar- Martha Roper, and Lucy Miller. Okay, so um, this is a concrete. Most churches don't do stuff like this anymore. Okay, I was raised in a church that we did handkerchiefs and aprons. Okay, if you were sick, Folk in the congregation would pray over them and send them to you so that you would have something physical to know that people were praying for you. The quilts do that. Okay. I have been the recipient of a quilt from another congregation. Okay. Okay. It was 10 years ago. I still have my quilt. And I still hold fast to it, especially when I'm not feeling good. So it's an important ministry. And um, please remember Lucy Miller, who is in hospital. Um, Luann... Do we know which hospital? Okay. Okay. We'll see what we can find out. Thank you. But remember Lucy Mil- Miller. Any any others? Pardon? St. Joe's, St. Joe's? Okay. St. Joe's Ann Arbor. Okay. Any others?
3: Uh, Patty Keizer is uh, going in to have some procedures done on her heart, I believe.
0: And that's Patty. Others? I was supposed to make an announcement for uh, Todd Morgan. There will be no men's club this month because of the uh, auction. So we will not meet again in September the second week, but nothing this month. Thank you. The sacrifices that us guys make for the rummage sale I think all of us guys just went deaf. <laughs> when, I came in, when I came into the church this morning, whoa, this is going to be a really cool sale. <laughs> do, do spread the word about it. Let's bow in prayer and before we begin our, our time of confession, okay, um, just take a moment and put all the busyness out. Okay. When, when we do communion, we forget that communion is loaded amongst the things that communion is supposed to do is it's supposed to invite us to be honest with ourselves about how we are. Not just how bad things are, but how good things are as well. We were, talking this, we were talking this morning about remembering to count our blessings. Okay, that's one of the things that we forget needs to be part of our confession. God, you have been so good to me. Mostly when we start any kind of confession, we start out with, Oh Lord, you know what I've done wrong. Give it a try. Oh Lord, thank you. You have been so good to me. Okay? You've been so good to me. See, for me, it's good to simply be here. And, okay, all you're seeing is Band-Aid. On my ear. I had a minor surgery this week. And me being very human, I was afraid that I might be here or not not be here at all. Or if I would be here, I would be here and I would look like Vincent Van Gogh. I am thankful. I am thankful. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, and, you know, let's just center down, quiet our heads, quiet our hearts. And then in a moment, I will invite us to join together in a prayer of confession. Our Lord Jesus, you came to be us. You came to be a human being. You know what it means to be like we are. You know the good of us and you know the bad of us. You know all the temptations, all the trials. You know what it means to grieve because you had friends die. You know what it means to deal with sickness. You, O oh Lord Jesus... We're able to call the power of God to heal those who came to you who were sick. We have a number of people, oh Lord, of our number who are struggling in their health. Their struggle's not easy. Remind them. Lord Jesus, that you are with them. Be their help. Be their healing. Be their strength. There are those, oh Lord, of us who are making life decisions that aren't easy. Some of us are younger, some of us are older. it's still hard to know what to do. Help us see what you've put within our reach. Help us to not fool ourselves or anybody else, but see what's real and what you really want for us to do. We would get our hearts and minds ready for communion, and we would begin that by joining in a prayer of confession If you would, please. Oh, Lord, sometimes I feel like one more defeat will be more than I can bear. It's like one more frustrating day will embitter me for the rest of my life. I confess that I need strength to escape how I am most of the time. I need help to stop self-centered living. I need a guide away from mindless busyness. I need help to rid myself of the impulse to cut others down. I need to stop beating myself up in body, mind, and spirit. I need to quit doing thoughtless things that irk and worry others. I need more than an empty life. I need to be full of you. I confess that I need forgiveness. Make goodness live in me. Then I can serve you with a quiet mind, bring me to life everlasting, all which we ask through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. was getting ready for um, Sunday morning coffee, and I just remembered we didn't have coffee this morning. How did we make it through a whole hour without coffee? That was not helpful, Kim. (laughs) Uh, A reminder, we are studying the Gospel of Mark, 10 o'clock, Sunday mornings, do come. As I was getting ready for in the morning, I was reading through the Gospel of Mark, and Jesus did something that upset people. A person who was sick was brought to him. Okay? And Jesus, instead of saying, you're healed, said, child, your sins are forgiven. And so a lot of people got upset with him and said, Listen, only God can forgive sins. Now, we're going to not get into doctrine and theology. Jesus was making a point. He passed it on to the rest of his disciples. That includes you and me. Okay? You read all of the Gospels, you'll see it's in there. Jesus told his disciples, you forgive sins, they're forgiven. You don't forgive them, they're not forgiven. But Jesus said to the people that were upset, what's easier to say? You are forgiven? or Take up your mat, roll it up, shoulder it, go home. Okay. Jesus says to us, you are forgiven. Okay. You are forgiven. Hear those words of assurance. You are forgiven. Now, we're going to try to make a habit of this. If you were here a month ago, you did this. We're going to do it again. When was the last time you forgave somebody? Turn to the person next to you and say, you are forgiven. You are forgiven. Now, how did that feel? It feels good to hear it. It feels good to say it. Okay? And you know what you just did? You just did what Jesus would do. Can I get an amen? Amen. Thank you. If I could do it, I would get us all to do what early Christians used to do. Three times a day, they said our Lord's Prayer. First thing in the morning, middle of the day, and at night. Okay? And they did it because they wanted God's kingdom to come. They wanted their sins forgiven. They wanted to be rescued from persecution. Let us join together in the words our Lord taught us to say. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Just take a moment and listen to God. I believe Jesus is here. I believe we can hear him if we take time to listen. Have you music for us this morning?
3: Well, the minister said you guys were rowdy, so this might even get you more rowdy. Have you been to Jesus?
6: Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Lay aside the garments that are stained with sin And be washed in the blood of the Lamb Then flowing for the soul unclean Oh, be washed in the blood of the Lamb Are you washed in the blood? In the soul, blessing blood of the land. Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? No. Are you walking in the blood of the Lamb? Some glad morning when life is over, I'll fly away. To the home on God's celestial shore, I'll fly away.
0: I left my bulletin up here so I don't know what's happening (laughs) would the children come Lovely choir. <laughs> Hi, how are you? Good. I know they're girls. Is that a problem? Okay. you know what? Some times big people just make all kinds of demands. They want us to do things. Okay? And they're not simple. Do you remember when you were learning to eat? No? you remember when you were learning to eat? No? Good, because you know I can say with certainty, you were really messy. See, all the big people are laughing because they had to clean up the messes. Okay. Now, I brought some things to show you and to talk about. Last time that I was with you, okay, I talked about how the world is yours. Did you know that? More than any other generation that has ever lived, more than any other kids that have ever been, you have chances to go further and higher than anybody else ever has. It's a little bit scary. Could be fun. I took a trip around the world once. Went all the way around. Okay, all the way. And one of the things that I found out on that trip was people can tell where you're from by how you eat. Not what you eat, how you eat. Okay, now, we have a plate when we eat. Lots of people use bowls. We have a plate. Okay, and we have tools that we eat with. Usually we start out with this one, okay. This is what mom and or dad usually feed us with. (laughs) Airplane games? No, no airplane, okay, no airplane games. Now, next is a fork. how we use our forks in this country tells other people in the world that we're from the United States because most of us unless unless we're left handed we hold our fork in our right hand Mm -hmm. most people in the rest of the world hold their fork in their left hand this way Okay, and even when the table's set up, where's the fork? It's on the left hand side of the plate. Hmm. And then on the right hand side is the knife next to the plate. And then the spoon. And depending on who's setting the table and the rules of the house, the napkin is either on the plate or under the fork. You can't see because you're facing me. But all of the big people out there are going... Okay. So... What I did was I just did a table setting. Now, what does that table setting tell you? It tells you that you pick up the fork with your left hand. Hmm. And then you pick up your knife with your right hand. And then whatever food you have on your plate, cut your piece off and put it in your mouth. I only had to live 42 years before I learned that. Okay, And I learned it so I wouldn't stick out like a sore thumb and say to everybody, Hey, everybody, I'm from the United States of America. A lot of people in the world, you know what they call us? They call us shovelers because we stick our fork in deep. So, even when we eat, we're telling people a lot about ourselves. We're having communion today. And the way we eat communion tells people a lot about us. The way we do communion tells people that there's always enough to go around. The way we do communion says we need to take time and think about what we're doing. The way we do communion says that we believe Jesus is somehow here in a special way. It doesn't always make sense. The pieces don't always fit. But that's what we're reminded of. When you come to communion, when we come to communion, the most important thing to remember is Jesus is here. And he cares. He cares. He loves us. Sometimes life will not be good. Sometimes life will hurt. But Jesus still loves us. There's still enough to go around. There's always people who will care. Please remember that. You don't have to remember. I'm sure that your, your, especially your mom would love it if you remembered how to use the fork and how to use the knife and how to use the spoon. Okay. But the most important thing when we celebrate communion is Jesus is here. Jesus cares and he loves us. Okay. Now. I'm about to reach for a hat. I know what you're really waiting for. Now, is Caitlin up here? Caitlin, have I got a surprise for you. Thank you? This is for you. Okay. Please read it. Okay. And when you read it, focus on those places that remind you how much God loves you. Okay. That has the good news of God's love in it. Okay, you're welcome. That's not not just from me. That's from the whole of Clinton Church. Okay, do remember that. Okay. Please remember you're welcome to come to communion. Okay. Okay. And What do you think of my hat? Huh? What do you think of my hat? You like bunnies? Ow. Would you hold him till I'm done? Okay, thank you. Now, I'm going to pull things out of my hat, but I have to ask you to promise to not open them until after church is over. Otherwise, the big people will be very upset with me. May I have my bunny back? Thank you. Okay. All right. You hide in there. Okay. All right. You can go to sleep. Thank you for coming. We'll do this again. Appreciate it. Thank you. Oh, you're holding out for another candy. (laughs) There you go. Gee, you guys made out really good. You got double today. Thank you very much. Thank you for coming. We'll see you later. If you want to stay, you can stay. (laughs) Or you can go. See, if, if you stay, then I'll ask you to do things. What do kids do with a weird big person? Oops. Now... I have to clear up one table so that we can celebrate at the other table. I want to ask you to think about what your faith is really about. What do you believe? And then I want to ask you, so what? Has it made any difference in how you are as a person? Would you join me in an affirmation of faith? We believe in God the Father. He is vast in wisdom, power, and love. His mercy is over all his works. His will is ever directed to his children's good. We believe in Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God and Son of Man. He is the gift of the Father's awesome grace. He is the core of our hope. He is the promise of our deliverance from sin and death. We believe in the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is the divine presence in our lives. The Spirit keeps reminding us of the truth of Christ. The Spirit is our strength and help in time of need. We believe that our faith should show itself in the service of love. Jesus is the example we follow. We wait for the kingdom of God to come upon the earth. Amen. If you are able, would you stand for the Gloria? Thank you. You may be seated.
1: The tithes and offerings.
6: Great is thy faith.
0: Jesus, we bring you our gifts. As the boy, the child, brought gifts of bread and fish to you, the need is great, more than just bread and fish. But in your hands, the bread and fish became more than enough. And our prayer, O oh Lord, is that our gifts in your hands will be more than enough. To do the work of your kingdom. Hear our prayer. Amen. The hymn of preparation is number 419. be seated thank you beautifully sung much appreciated in your bulletin this morning you will find an additional piece of paper okay and the piece of paper says queries and advice for united methodist before communion after the manner of John Wesley. Yes, it sounds strange. When Methodists started, okay, the way that people addressed faith and spiritual life was to ask questions If you want some of the history about it, ask me about the English Radical Reformation. And I'll give you more history than you ever wanted to know. But instead of telling what to believe, or how a person ought to be, the strategy was to ask questions. And the expectation was that the person would give both themselves and the questioner an honest answer. Getting ready for communion is one of the things that's important for us to do as Christians. Sadly, in Methodism, we don't do queries much anymore. Actually, I think there's only two of us in the congregation this morning that have ever officially answered queries. (laughs) Talk about going back in time, Bill. (laughs) Are you in debt so as to embarrass yourself? (laughs) None of us, when we were ordained, liked that question. But have you faith in Christ? It's a yes or no question. Have you forgiveness of your sins? It's a yes or no question. Have you peace with God through Jesus, through our Lord Jesus Christ? It's a yes or no question. Have you the witness of God's spirit with your spirit that you are a child of God? Yes or no? Don't want gory details, yes or no? Is the love of God shed abroad in your heart? I know if I'm most honest, my answer is sometimes. Same for the next one. Are you seeking the mind of Christ? Is prayer a reality for you? Okay. And one of the things that has happened, particularly as we've gone deeper into the 21st century, is we increasingly don't know what to do with the word sin. Sin. Has no sin, that is to say, self-destructive behavior, habit, or addiction. Inward or outward dominion over you. You know what sin means? Sin means you miss the target you were aiming at. And generally, when we talk about sin, OK, the most we talk about is having a bow and arrow in our hands and aiming at a target that's standing still. Got any bow hunters? Here? <laughs> How often does that happen? <laughs> Just no. The least little thing gets the target moving. Are you resolved to devote yourself wholly to God and His work? Do you actually love others at home, at church, and work? Are you careful of the reputations of others avoiding gossip? Do you visit those both inside and outside the church, to offer welcome, encouragement, and comfort? Do you care for and teach the children in every place as Jesus would do? Are you punctual in keeping your promises, your appointments, and in paying your debts? Ouch. Are you in debt so as to embarrass you? Most of the the people that go for ordination, okay, are... Have so many student loans, they can never ask, answer that question uh, with a no. Do you live in such a manner that you can use part of your income for building of the kingdom? Ooh. Now, most people aren't aware of it, okay? But Methodism was respected in England because... There was a revolution going on in France across the channel. And part of the core of that revolution was people were rebelling against taxes. And Wesley asked this question, do you pay the taxes that you owe? Hmm. Are you sensitive to and active against the injustices and wrongs of our society? Do you use your influence in the church and in politics to make the world a more just and equitable place? Is your home a place where love reigns and where God's kingdom begins? Does your Christian service begin when the worship service ends? a very different way of getting ready for communion than we typically do. I would encourage you to keep a copy of this, visit it occasionally, and answer the questions honestly. If we were Methodist in the 1700s, we would be required to attend a weekly class meeting or a band meeting. And we would be asked between four and eight of these questions. Think we could handle that every week? The sermon for this morning is entitled, The Mess at the Table, and it's based on a scripture passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 20-34. through 34. When you come together, it is not really to eat the Lord's Supper, for when the time comes to eat, each of you goes ahead with your own meal, and one goes hungry and another gets drunk. Yea, Christians. What? Do you not have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you show contempt for the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What should I say to you? Should I commend you? In this matter, I do not commend you. For I have received from the Lord what I also handed on to you. That the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after the supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death, till he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be answerable for the body and blood of the Lord. Examine yourselves not only and only then eat of the bread and drink the cup. For all who eat and drink without discerning the body eat and drink judgment upon themselves. For this reason, many of you are weak and ill and some have died but if we judged ourselves we should not be judged but when we are judged by the Lord we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world so then my brothers and sisters when you come together to eat wait for one another if you are hungry eat at home so that when you come together it will not be for your condemnation and about other things I will give instructions when I come. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. There are few things harder for us human beings to learn than how to behave at the dinner table. When we are very young, food is just too much fun. And in our innocent and sometimes not so innocent creativity, we discover so many interesting things to do with the stuff other than merely shove it into our mouths. Often we make those discoveries much to the surprise and chagrin of the adults around who simply want to eat and talk. Children often simply have to wear food. Food, especially the likes of chocolate, spaghetti sauce, puddings of various kinds, oatmeal, cream of wheat, as well as the vast spectrum of pureed vegetables make for marvelous cosmetics and hairstyling. You ever try to get peas out of a kid's hair? Desserts, especially cakes with icing, candies and ice cream, especially those rich in red, green, orange and blue, make for the most adorable and attention-grabbing fashion accessories, to all sorts of clothing, and even makes bare skin look better. Oh, come on! (laughs) At just the moment we are most getting into our creativity with regard to food, the big people start doing all sorts of things to stifle us, and stop us from more flamboyant creativity. Not only that, they prohibit us from using our fingers anymore, and they introduce us to a food handling device called a spoon. Then we are introduced to another food handling device, one abounding in dangerous potential called a fork. And once we've shown we can be trusted to not do serious injury to either ourselves or others with a fork, then we are given the final tool of the set, the knife. We spend a good chunk of the rest of our lives learning the proper use of this set of tools as well as certain codes of eating and special behavior called manners and etiquette. The whole enterprise of learning to behave properly at the dinner table isn't really about stifling our creativity, it's really about recognizing that we're not the only one eating. And that what we do around the table doesn't affect everyone else around the table in many different ways. And that there may be consequences to our behavior that impact upon the physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being of others one of my mentors wrote a book entitled where two or three are gathered together someone spills the milk it seems to be a basic truth of life now the same is true when we come together at what we call the lord's table we don't talk about that very much In the earliest days of the church, coming together at the Lord's table probably didn't look much like it does today. In the earliest days, it more closely resembled either a kind of picnic or a potluck. Each person brought his or her own food. Often each person would begin to eat his or her own food upon arriving at the place in which the feast was being held, and that was usually someone's house. Okay, usually someone's house. The love, agape feast, didn't have much ritual to it. There was no focus on what we now call the elements. There was sometimes a prayer, sometimes a recitation of the story of Jesus' Last Supper. Much of what we call 1 Corinthians 11 was written by the Apostle Paul because the Christians at Corinth Patton learned how to behave properly at the Lord's table. This description is from 1 Corinthians is probably the earliest description of the Christian celebration of the Lord's Supper. The, epistle, the, the Gospels were written after this epistle. So, it's important to remember that this letter to the Corinthians was written perhaps 20 years before any of the Gospels were written. Christians didn't have the option of any kind of written guide to what to believe or think or how to eat. This section of chapter 11 that we've read is an effort to educate Corinthians about the body of Christ. And today, we tend to jump the assumption that when the Apostle Paul talks about the body of Christ here, he's talking about what we now call the elements. The bread and the cup. However, putting the Apostle's words in the larger context of his letter, it's pretty clear that the Apostle is talking about more than bread and wine. He's talking about the church as the body of Christ. There weren't any church buildings in those days. In Paul's time among Christians, the church was neither a place nor an institution. The church was, and I remind us, remains people, living, breathing human beings. In Paul's time, a person speaking of the body of Christ meant first those living, breathing human beings who are the church. And then, and only then, what we now call the elements of Holy Communion. Now we talk primarily about elements, and rarely if at all about the living, breathing human beings who are the hands, feet, ears, and voice of the risen Jesus in the contemporary world. Now we spiritualize the body of Christ. We spiritualize what it means to discern the body of Christ. However, the Apostle Paul probably wouldn't do either Later in this same letter, he writes, Now you are the body of Christ, and each of you is a limb or function of his body. I got news for us. That means you and me. I got really upset about 20 years ago with myself and with the larger church not being the body of Christ, and I started asking myself, okay, so am I, are we going to be the body of Christ now, or is a suffering world simply going to have to wait? When Paul tells people to discern the body of Christ, he's not merely talking about some spiritual exercise regarding the mysteries of the bread and cup. He's not just talking about taking seriously the symbolism and the metaphor as well as the miracle of the bread and cup. He's talking about stopping, looking, seeing, thinking, and understanding what it means to be the body of Christ as well as what it means to come together at the Lord's table. When a body part isn't working, it is at least a horrible nuisance, a terrible handicap, or life-threatening. How often do we say, well, I'm just not going to be the body of Jesus today. I'm going to pass on it. The context of Paul's discussion about what we call communion is the Apostles find he cannot praise the Christians at Corinth because they are far from united with each other. They are insensitive and inconsiderate of each other. Sometimes they are outright rude and abusive with each other. They are self-absorbed. I got mine. Too bad about you. The Apostle asks them, Do you despise one another? Do you shame and demean one another about what you do or don't have? Then the apostle describes Jesus' last supper and it asks the Corinthians, don't you get it? Stop, look, see, think, understand you are the body of Christ it's not this beautiful building it's you and me the Apostle then tells the Corinthians you make a mess at the Lord's table spiritually and physically and because of that your lives are a mess to the point that many of you are sick and weak and why a lot of others have died. That's how bad the mess was. It wasn't that somebody spilled a communion cup. It wasn't that somebody dropped a piece of communion bread. It was you treated yourselves and each other badly. That's the mess you've made. Ouch. Next, Paul says, test yourself. Assess and examine yourself. Do this honestly, not neurotically. Ask yourself the question, do I understand what it means for me to be the body of Christ? and what it means to come together at the bread and the cup. An excellent question. Can I get an amen? I can't hear you. Thank you. At our last communion, I talked a little bit about wearing the stole. The stole is a reminder of, to me, of my responsibility. Some 2000 years ago, Jesus took bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body. And then he took the cup and he said, drink this, this is my blood. One of the reasons why I'm United Methodist a United Methodist by choice is because some of the things that Methodism believes and practices when a pastor wears one of these as Bill does it means that there's an unbroken line between the hands that broke the bread and this morning it means that we can say From the hand of Jesus, through the hands of the ages, unbroken. From his hand, to my hand, to you. Gives things a little different meaning, doesn't it? a little different perspective. We have a number of ways that you can observe communion. The altar rails are open. You can be served bread and cup there. We have individually packaged um, communion servings. Mm -hmm. Um, If you are at a place where you feel comfortable, most comfortable doing those, we can make those available. Come spend time with Jesus. Become Jesus. Doing the work the kingdom of God in God's creation. Let us pray. Blessed Jesus, you have consecrated the bread and the cup as we come O oh Lord to your body and blood consecrate us make us your body, your blood somehow, some way and O oh Lord let us not be idle but let us be about the work of the good news and the work of the kingdom of God. Amen. Would our communion stewards please come? Ours is an open communion. All are welcome to the bread and the cup. As the ushers release you, please come. Center aisle, return by the side aisle. Just a reminder, before we sing our closing hymn, the prayer blankets are here for Kim, Martha, Lucy. If you're feeling led, come lay hands. Say a prayer.
1: Our closing hymn is number 420, Breathe On Me.
0: Thank you for being the church. This is real, people. This is real. Would you join me in the benediction? Gracious God, help each one of us to live with such love and self-control that the head of the church may never have reason to say to any of us, this is my body broken by you. Amen. 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 My apologies to, to your dinner. There is serious shopping to be done.